Hello and welcome to Monday Night Bites. We're back. Hey, yeah. we're back. <laughs> Missed back. last week. Sorry about last week. That was my fault. We were frozen in carbonite. Yeah. Again. Again. <laughs> what are the odds that happens twice? They just keep getting us, man. <laughs> and the bounty on this is too high. I know. Yeah. And we think we can run fast enough, but... <laughs> How did we get away the last time? Twin yeah. ion engines. Classic. Classic maneuver. And a lightsaber stored in a cylinder. We used our engineering skills. We made the castle run in less than 12 parts. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough nerd. Um, <laughs> Daniel is running it. Yeah, Daniel. Yeah. What are you talking about, my guy? So, I'm talking about how generally an operating system works and functions, generally speaking. Uh, and so, yeah. Yeah, this is, our, this is what I'm talking about today. Cool. Operating systems. Yeah, <clears throat> I like it. Um, yeah, do you guys have any questions about oper- what an operating system is? Hi. I'll toss a question out sure. there if you want to catch it. What What is an operating system, Daniel? I caught that one. Oh, good catch. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, oh <laughs> so an operating this system. This is what happens when I let you I think we're going to revisit the automation question. <laughs> system is uh, what makes a computer function yeah it relies on abstraction um, which means taking something complicated and simplifying it mm-hmm. so the user can use it yeah and also it's all it um, is programmed so that the CPU can be used efficiently and like the, everything can be used efficiently so it's mm-hmm. kind of like what an operating system does Okay. Um, yeah. So, an example of abstraction, for instance. So, when you're programming in C, uh, so when you're programming in an operating system environment, there's several, probably tons of ways to do it. The way we do it is through shell programming, which can be done on your local computer, or during, I'm taking this operating system course right now, and we use... Uh, a server that Lamar is running. Yeah. And you can use a program called Putty to load into that server. And they've set up a system so that you you can use your, like, Lamar ID and you can log into a virtual machine in that way. And so when you're doing that, when you're using the operating system in that environment, you're doing shell programming. And this course... We are compiling C programming, C programs, running them, debugging them, and stuff, in this shell in this shell programming environment. Mm. And so, uh, so something we can do in C is something called an f print f command, which means that, um, or actually I think it's print f. I I've, I can't I think it's that. print f. Uh, but basically, like prints something to the terminal so that you can see it. Yeah. Uh there actually might be different F printf command as well. Something that like prints to a dot to a file potentially. Anyways. Anyways, so the the <clears throat> the idea is that like that method uses a different method that's called in a diff in like 
shell programming application called write, which is like the shell function. And then that is broken, that calls three different other methods in the operating system, load, seek, and out. Mm. And so the idea is that like you simplify it down to one command right? so that the user can use it easily. Hmm. So I, I have a question. Sure. Why uh, use C and not some other programming language like Java or Python? I think because it's probably easier to use in the shell environment. Uh, there's probably, there's prob I don't know if this is true or not, but because, uh, like Java is a higher level programming language, mm -hmm. it might be diff more difficult to debug stuff where there might just not be the, like the resources to do that. Yeah. It probably is, but I agree with you. I don't, I haven't done a lot of research into it. It'd be really convenient if we use Java. Yeah. I think my, my understanding, I think is, I would just say that C is a lower level programming language. Yeah. And so you get more. I guess the functions that you provide get are a little more specific. Yeah, one of the functions is a uh, fork, which is used to call. Yeah, like it's it's used for the operating system specific function that um, calls a child process into existence, basically. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, but I do believe that Java could have that functionality. But we just don't have resources for that. They haven't been created, I don't think. Mm. And I, I believe Python and Java and other languages like that rely on bigger libraries, yeah, and different things like that. Mm -hmm. And see, true. like the overhead is way higher. Yeah, probably. And it might not be able to, like, you're going through a lot of steps to get to this virtual environment. Like this virtual yeah. machine, C is probably better suited to that. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Also, because I, I know the the servers at Lamar, they're Linux servers, right? Yeah. So like for, <clears throat> and then like the Mac system operating system is also like based on Linux, and so I think it's because Linux is like very C related, if not completely written in C, but I don't want to say that for certain. But like they're very related. Whereas like on Windows computer, you can't compile C. Um, from uh, by default, like you have to mm. use like an IDE or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So also specific to the type of operating system you're running. Mm. It's good. It's my understanding. What is Windows written in then? That's well, a I good question. It's written in C. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> that is a good. I I'll be back to you on that. I just try to remember. Mm, I'm remembering <laughs> really hard. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You can keep going though, Daniel. Uh, best. No, yeah. So, um, another thing with operating systems is concurrency, which means that two things can happen at one time. And the way that, so let's say a program uses input output op operations. So, part of the time, the CPU isn't being used because they're performing input output operations. Uh, during that time, you should use the CPU for something. So, um, the idea is that there's something to sort out, like, okay, here's the time we're using the CPU, and then here's some other processes that need to use the CPU too. We're going to overlap them so the CPU is constantly being used, and there's, like, concurrency. 
Mm. It can like multiple processes can be happening at one time. Mm. And that that's uh that helps efficiency. Mm. Helps things not take forever. Um and so basically a process is composed of several things. Um, a process is composed of one or more threads, which is, is composed of a stack and a status. Um, and so thread, the thread data, the, it's called a thread, status and, and, data, and stack. The stack is data that is private to the thread and status is the thing that holds all the properties for the thread. So those two things are separate. Yeah, those, those are combined into the thread. And then there can be multiple threads inside the process. So the, so let, let me clarify a little. Yeah. Let me get some clarification. Yeah. The stack is the data that that thread is currently holding to use. It's private to the thread. Which means that it's not, like, the process... Like, other threads can't pull yeah. that same data. Yeah. But that... But, but, like, what I'm taking from that is that the stack is this variable memory. I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah. This, this variable place where the thread pulls it from some other place, reserves it, does mm. its processes on it. That's, that's, what, that's what we're talking about. Or am I wrong? Potentially, I, I don't know. Doesn't I haven't learned specifically where the stack comes from. Okay, but it probably does come from memory. Where where I was doing some really hard remembering. Right. So I, I, I tapped out for a hot second. Where are we at right now? We're talking, We're talking about, about threads. Processes of oh, threads. Okay. What's that stack have to do? Stack is so part of the thread. A part of a thread. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a data structure similar to a stack in Java, but I don't think so. I think it's a separate thing. Um, it's a thread specific stack, um, and it contains data private to the thread. Interesting. I took the same class and I don't, I don't remember that. Don't remember about the stacks. Do you remember about the, the child process though, the parent process? Do you remember that? Do you, uh... Is there a chance you could try to remember? <laughs> yeah, I could. Oh, well, first, let me remember, before I forget, let me... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, well, um, would you, do you remember anything? So, or so, regarding back to, we're going to backtrack to like three minutes ago. You run, when, uh, Linux and the Mac system are written in C and Objective-C. Not sure what the difference is there. Uh, Windows computers are written in C++, which is kind of cool, object-orienting. So you could use that as an argument against or for Windows computers. But um, apparently it mostly just has to do with where your path variables are, where your path variables are set. Not sure what they are, but I've definitely messed around with them. I just, I couldn't give you a, a one-line dictionary definition. But so it's really just how it's not set up, but it could run it. Um, but you need like the, the GCC compiler, um, which apparently like isn't, isn't set up by default on a Windows computer. Yeah, like Windows is packaged in a way so that you're not messing with like development stuff yeah probably so is the mac os yeah but linux that's linux is cool linux like that. is cool 
That's why y'all love Linux so much. Apparently. I didn't know I loved Linux, but um, the more I learned, the more I'm like, yes, sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just, I like Linux for everything else. Everything besides practical things that I that don't involve programming. Yeah. <laughs> you love <laughs> Linux for everything except actual life. <laughs> yeah. Like your yeah. life outside of. I wanted to install it on my old that laptop. That one thing. But I haven't. Yeah. That's it. So, That's I, cool. you can cool install, story, bro. A, you can, there's something called a, a subsystem you can install on Windows, so you can run a Linux subsystem on your computer. Yeah. Uh, and I tried doing it, and I actually, I did get it to work. I could have used it for this class. Mm-hmm. So there is a way to download Linux to your yeah. Windows and still use Windows. There's also, um, for those of you without <clears throat> Linux computers and no access to our college's servers, there's just also online compilers. Oh, really? Yeah. And they have, they have better debuggers, so that's what I used a lot for that class. Oh, nice. Why didn't tell me that? Oh, Daniel, there are online compilers <laughs> that you might want to check out. They're very good for debugging. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'll take that. Cool. So let's remember <laughs> what we're remembering. Um, we're remembering uh, about stacks. And about statuses and their their physical relation. Yeah, we're looking inside ourselves to understand the computer. Five, yeah, count to nine thousand. We're mind melding, mm. <laughs> pulling together our knowledge met through meditation and wow. psychic powers. Interesting. I think it would be better if we had some crystal pyramids in this room to focus our energy through. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I made I made myself laugh. Tell us more, Daniel. Do you have more? Yes, of course. Your outline is ninety million pages long. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh. So. Yeah, the status, the other half of this thread is the status. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so basically this, uh, this shows like what, it also shows what the thread is waiting on, what resources the thread is waiting on. And, um, the process also holds, holds data files, um, a binary program and other resources. So they're all kind of packaged into this process. So those other two things you just mentioned, that is part of the process, not any of the process threads. It's like it's its own thing. Yeah, so files, other resources, data, and the binary program are all separate things. Right. And are you talking, so you have this encapsulated deal, this process. Yeah, this process. With those bunch of components. Do you have multiple processes per operating system? So the idea is that the CPU is, there's a competition with the CPU. These processes are fighting to get CPU attention. Oh, okay. And so the CPU only pays attention to one process at a time. I've heard about this. We we touched on this in our uh, currency episode. And the OS is the, the, schoolmaster the school teacher is like all right you get you can use the bathroom now you can use the cpu now you can use the (laughs) cpu now uh it's like that so technically it's not the operating system but the operating system is technically like 
uh, it's like a mini god in this circumstance because it basically if controls everything. Oh. Mm. So it doesn't control this, but it does control everything. It controls everything. It controls the thing. Down. It's the it controls the thing that controls that. Yeah, I'm not saying like that is all the OS is. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I can see what you're talking about. Okay. So there's a little gate thing, and the OS is way over here above everybody so controlling the gate. This this chapter, the gate concept we is talked not... We did talk about it. Definitely a thing, but I won't be covering that. Yeah, just for the sake of... Yeah. Uh, so that I understand what's going on. I guess so. I, I mean, I haven't even covered this concept in class. What? Um, the semaphores... Oh, uh, well, the class was online when I took it. So. Let's not worry about that. Okay. I only brought it up to understand where the OS is in relation to pr these processes. Okay. The analogy was a stoplight. That's all I was saying. And so the okay. processes aren't the OS or aren't a component of the OS. It's like a separate thing. That's just these... what the computer is being asked to do. Yeah, sort of. Right. I think it... Um... I, I think they are part of the operating system they're just yeah well because you have the programs that are like part of the operating system and like those can have different threads and stuff mm. and they're responsible for executing other programs it's like the fundamental program i think because it also has code attributed to it so it is also just a program i think because i mean what else would it be so can we i'm trying to create a mind map here of how this works and we could be wrong we're going okay. maybe going okay. into Monday some night disclaimer. We could be wrong. Yeah, we okay. are not infallible, yeah. except when okay. we talk about engineering, which we've <laughs> never made a single mistake ever. All right. No matter what. <laughs> Smash cut to compilations of me saying things that are plainly wrong. Anyway. Um, so, so I'm trying to understand this. You got your CPU. You got your OS. It's just like we said. He's like the god of the computer. Um, the OS has programs in it that run other programs, and part of those programs, they get like the dedicated CPU time to say what other programs can come into the CPU, because you just said the CPU can only handle one process at a time. Yeah. If the OS has processes that are meant to tell the CPU when other processes can come into the CPU, how does that even The operating system controls, is like the uh, pulling all the strings to make everything happen, is what I would say. Like, it's like, because basically, what you're talking about, so like, the mid, like, okay, so there's these things called device controllers that um, basically control uh, basically control the CPU time or like reference it or something. The different hardware at parts of the computer. Yes. Interesting. Uh, and so part so. So the gate concepts. I'm not sure how that relates, but there's something called busy and down bits, mm -hmm. which are what the device controller uses to interact with the CPU. Um, showing the status of, well, it, so it shows the status to the, um, I want to say the CPU, but it might be the, um, process. Basically, there's a lot of statuses involved. Right. Um, 
And the device controller is what facilitates communication between the process and the CPU. That, yes. As to whether or not the process can get the CPU's attention. Yeah. And so the device controller, that concept, we were talking about that is either a component of the OS or like a tertiary aspect of the OS. Somehow it's like so directly yeah, so, related. So independent device, so in an independent device controller system, all the device controllers are like in a switch statement. And so they're all like the, the way that they are like programmed is determined by the OS. And so, like, if it's, like, zero, then it's the zero device controller. If it's one, the one device controller. In a dependent... And so, in order to add a, add a um, driver, um, you'd have to recompile the OS in that system. But if you have reconfigurable... Basically, if you have device uh, drivers that can do it all themselves, or, like, mini systems that can, like have um, basically like have kind of a control of themselves and you don't have to do it that way. But um, yeah, it gets kind of complicated. Um, um, can I, <clears throat> so I think, and I did some, I did some hard remembering. I've learned this before. I just wanted to make sure I was getting it right. So you have what's called like the kernel, which is like the God part that Daniel's talking about. That's like a Yes. It's the OS. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's yeah, yeah. Outside, yeah. Yeah. And so he's like the, he's got all, and in terms, and so that is what sits between like all the hardware and all the other external applications, extra applications that we would run. Okay. Like Minecraft. Okay. Or something so it's like that. between the OS and Minecraft. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the kernel is what sits between the hardware and Minecraft. Yes. So fun. So yeah, I, I didn't, yeah. That was, uh, this is part of my... Oh, thing. okay, did I skip oh. ahead? So, okay. so the, there's, when a function is, or when a method is called, uh, say by C programming, like it, when fork is called, it calls a, a method in the trap table, which is in the kernel space. Okay. And so actually creating a new child process is not something the user has complete control over. But they can send like a they can reference that method and the method can like, it goes from user mode to supervisor mode and then you're able to create a child process and then you go back to the user mode. Because it's good practice to run a child process and not run it in, and run a program in your main thread, like to go and execute some, an external thing in a child process because then if that crashes, well, your main stuff is still okay. Your OS you is still running. Yeah. You don't get blue screen of death. No. Well, not usually. Well, let's hope. Fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. So this child process thing we're talking about, you're creating a space outside of... So we're talking about this main program that's running, and that's like the kernel keeping everything controlled. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about this child process is... Light. So, so the kernel is a concept step. So the this fork thing is just an idea is just one method to demonstrate the difference between the kernel space and the user space. Right. The kernel space is, is contains operations that the user should never be able to do yeah. by themselves. Right. 
but this child process, I'm trying to understand where it fits into the into the hierarchy here. That is a place separate from the kernel that sort of builds so, off the kernel. So the child process is like any other process that you you're doing, but it's created through your program. Okay. So like when you, whenever you run a program, that's a, one process. You have like a method or function or whatever. Then it creates a separate function or it creates a separate, and they're running concurrently. Like I think, but you're but you're calling it in the program. Yeah, I think I would imagine it as like so you call it in the kernel and you have your hardware and you have your kernel and you have your uh, applications. Yeah. Right, and they're all sandwiched together. Right. And so the kernel, when it executes a child process, it's a little branch that it because it, it forks. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's and exactly so that what I'm saying. So the child process is not. Um, it's not contained in the kernel. Yeah, but because, no, it goes, right. goes out. It's yeah. a separate thing. It, yeah, yeah, because if it wasn't, you don't want any part of the kernel crashing because it's important. Right. I feel like I get that as much as I can do, and I might need to do some remembering on my own. Later <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. All laughs> <right>. on. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oh, also, I also remembered... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Um, the in terms of processes on CPUs, only one CPU can only one run process at a time. Yeah. Like technically, like when they run in parallel or when they run at the same time concurrently, it's like um, that's just an illusion. I think unless you have multiple CPUs. How does that work? Well, I think I think it's part of the um, it adds it to the. The, the list of processes running currently. Right. Like, in, like, the CPU can only run... Remember our example where, yeah, like, multiple processes can be, like, running at the same time? But they each uses a CPU time separate. The spacing of the CPU time is separate than the input-output operations. And so, like, you want... If you're running... So you can run three processes concurrently. <laughs> you can run three processes concurrently, but... <laughs> But you have to space the CPU time so that it, the CPU time, each one, each each is using the CPU time at a certain instance. Yeah. Oh, so they're running concurrently, but really it's like thread gets it, kick out, thread gets it, kick out. Yeah, it's thread, super fast. It so goes back and forth. So it looks simultaneous. Yeah, but they're each... Yeah. They're yeah. each just grabbing the CPU, doing whatever they need, getting out, and then the other one comes in. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. they finish it the same time or around whatever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you when you have several CPUs, you can actually run two processes at the same time. Um, but don't I have no idea about how virtual cores work. Same time in the CPU or in the CPUs. I think, well, because there's also, I also would think, like, because there's going to be the physical limitations of, like, there's just the electrical signals going. I don't know how that works. That's very too minute for my own experience. But I just know, like, different hardware stuff, but the virtual yeah, you cores. You probably have to alter the operating system itself. The kernel. Yeah. Kernel, not C-O-L-O-N-E-L, but kernel K-E-R-N-E-L. Yeah, I, I got that. I misspelled military kernel. I, I'm sorry if I did. It's a weird word. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I always remember it as colonel. Colonel. That's so, better. 
So yeah, and so, um, in these operations, uh, there are ways. So if you wanted to interrupt a program, um, mm -hmm. you would use there's something called an interrupt handler, and basically, um, you would there's you would basically make an if statement. This is in the operating system, like if interrupt request. We're going to change the context from the CPU to the memory. We're going to save the context into memory. Then we're going to take the interrupt, uh, either the interrupt handler or um, basically whatever interrupts was interrupting this process, and then flip that to the CPU. And so there's a way to to interrupt a process. You mean like you cut them off? You just yeah. stop the intersection. But if two processes are trying to interrupt at the same time, or something, they add something called a race condition, which, which is a separate Boolean, which is called interrupt enabled. So basically, just whoever does interrupt enabled for like, it's basically a separate Boolean to make sure no one interrupts at the same time. Okay. Yeah, that'd be awkward. Yeah, it would be very awkward. And my understanding of the interrupt is save the previous value, quit. Say the processing. previous yeah. Say the previous value. Switch the CPU to the interrupt. To whatever's interrupting it. Or I think it's to the interrupt handler, and then that goes to the, but where the process is interrupting it. I think that's how it goes. Mm. Oh, okay. And so the interrupt handler is like the process in itself that takes whatever the previous process was and clears the cache data. Yeah, it switches the context. I might be saying, I might be just throwing jargon in there that doesn't go there, but <laughs> yeah. it, it clears out whatever got processed before the process was interrupted. I, I think so. Okay. The Maybe. CPU, so the CPU, the CPU cares about context, not so much about memory or like, so it does like, so like the memory just switches. So like clearing. I guess clearing does, I guess, there's like, I don't, I might there's be nothing, wrong. there's nothing like a clearing function in this. Yeah. From, from what I can see, it's more like switching a very, like, variable this, go to variable, I mean, maybe there is a clear function implicitly. I might just not understand interrupting functions to the degree that I need to, to understand I think this. you, I think you do get it. Maybe. I, yeah. I get it enough. Yeah. For my purposes, I get it. This is, uh, operating systems are hard. I could just yeah. remember this later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I guess, so the operating system, if we want to really, like, nail down what is contained in an operating system, it contains a device, process, memory, and file manager. Man so four different managers, device manager, process manager, and memory manager, and a file manager. And that is what is contained in an operating system. So he's got a one more time. Uh, he's got a device manager, process manager, memory manager, and file manager. Because we just talked about the processes. Yeah. So he's got to manage that. And you said memory manager, right? Yeah. He's got to manage. I don't know if memory is referring only to RAM there or the storage. But either way, it's got to be able to write to the hard drive 
yeah. and like clear the RAM or switch the programs in and out. And he's got the file manager, which just makes me think file of stuff. Input outscore. Yeah. Well, that's right, because you have things like text files and stuff. And yeah. You, you know where they files. go. Yeah. You got to know how it's laid out um, <clears throat> because there's like a hierarchy of files. And then also, what was the last one? Uh, process. Process. No, we got the device manager. Device manager. And that makes sense because he's got to run the devices. Yeah. He's got to run like the GPU and the RAM and the whatever else there is that I can The device controller. He's got to run the fan. Yeah. The fan is important. So when it says device manager, I think it means device controllers, which are like the device, the things that communicate with the CPU, mm-hmm. interact with the processes. Um, but probably also, I don't know. This is just from what I gather. I'm going to ask some hardware questions. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about this. We might not be able to answer these. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to have a little bit of fun. All right. Let's have fun. We're Where? also at 33 minutes in, just letting you guys know. But oh, okay. we'll wrap up soon. Where is the OS physically located? Like Memory. Where is, where is the physical storage? So the hard drive or solid state drive? Or solid state is? drive. Yeah. Okay. Or a hard drive. Or hard drive. <laughs> right. <laughs> Could go either it. way. Depends <laughs> on your... Depends. your it's hard to tell these days. You jump in to, so I can just jump into my OS and change whatever I want. No, really nilly. you can't because the completely kernel. redo it. Because the because remember there's a user mode and a supervisor mode. I can steal Windows code and then just sell it on. I think GitHub. I don't know if it's open source or not. Um, Linux, 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 is, <laughs> Linux, Linux is open source. Windows um, is probably or an Android is also. That's kind of what makes it cool. And then, um, but Windows is definitely not open source, or Mac OS. There's, I don't think, you'd have to hack into your kernels. Plus, I think the way it works is it's all um, compiled that's run on there. Right. Like, it's not, it's, I think as far as the computer's concerned, it's already stored as a bunch of zeros and ones. Yeah. There's no, like, lines of code left that you could go in and change. Yeah. Unless you want to get those zeros and ones and somehow write a program that can convert that back to C or C++. My understanding... Yeah, my understanding... Because I asked the question knowing the answer. Nice. At least... Slide on. <laughs> so where things begin and end, I'm a little bit confused. I know in the old days, they would hard code the OS into the motherboard. I don't know if that's still kind of how they do it. So they hard code a BIOS... The BIOS. Oh, I'm a fool. Oh, then you, yeah, then you load the... Um, OS on the hard drive or yes. solves whatever. Yeah, you, like, yeah. The, the way I did it with my computer is I downloaded something to my, uh, to a portable, you know, something. Thumb yeah. Thumb drive. Put it into my motherboard, downloaded the OS to memory. Yeah. It was able to boot, like, change the, where it booted from. Oh. From the BIOS to memory. Oh, clever. interesting. I'm learning all the things, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, process states are the next thing. And um, so... Um, how long are process states? We're at 35 <laughs> minutes. Also. Quick. How much? Like 35 minutes. 30, oh, 
like, oh my gosh. This will um, be the longest light, episode. <laughs> yeah, lightning round. Okay, okay. For free at process dates. Process dates can be running, they can be blocked, and they can be, uh, yeah, ready. Oh, oh, so, the states of processes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's the things that's the just that status can be? Those are the main statuses. Got you. But there's like some, some yeah, there's some other stuff, but don't worry about it. Now the CPU is the most, I think this is the most important thing. Is, uh, so scheduling is important. Yes. Making sure processes have equal time is important so that they everything don't get gets... jealous. Yeah, exactly. And if you, uh, if you do first come, first serve, the order, there's something um, in terms of CPU where it's like certain processes uh, take longer to get to each other. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, <clears throat> developing good scheduling strategies is important. Um, so you I don't think that's all I have to yeah. say. You don't have an equal distance between processes. Like one might be able to get, A might be able to get to B faster than B can get to A. Man, this is, there were, so... We okay. don't have time for this. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. I think, yeah, I remember, the thing I remember about process, the process scheduling is just that it's important because you can get processes that are never scheduled if you do it wrong. Mm. Yeah. And that's big bad. Shortest job next, basically. The largest process will never get done. What? Shortest job next. Oh, shortest job next. Because yeah. the shortest one is always going to get the place of the bigger one. Yeah. That's uh, funny. One way to sort the processes. This makes me think of a thing that I saw on a TV show. And uh, it's how the TV show opens. It's like a definition. And it's halt and catch fire. And it's apparently a program that they wrote into like one of the first, I don't know, I guess OS's. I'm confused. But anyway... But it was like a breakdown of the scheduling system where like you could just hit a function and it would override the scheduling system and have every process just compete and like the OS wouldn't manage it at all. <laughs> <laughs> you would just see like the hardware would just resolve what actually got done and what you would end up happening is everything just freaks out and like the <laughs> like according to legend like your your motherboard and stuff just melts down like it just free there's so much electricity like competing with it in places it shouldn't be it just like freaks wow, out and that's melts awesome. that's hilarious that's, pretty that's why operating systems are important gotta have them yeah. <laughs> closing comments right yeah closing comments so uh inclusion i'm glad i gotta be on my test um <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> cookie. Uh yeah, operating systems are important. It's very complicated, but I felt like I had uh I feel like I have a better general understanding of how they work, which is important. Um I think when you're doing stuff software engineering wise. So yeah. I think I've gone from five percent understanding operating systems to ten percent understanding operating systems. Nice. And you know what? For uh, for forty minutes, that's progress. Mm. That is. Um, I'm gonna say I don't think you made it beyond your test because I'm pretty sure in both sons' class, prof the professor, um, an eighty is an A. Nice. Good, good. Wow. Well, so I mean, that means I made it more than my That's And I think that just goes to show operating systems are hard. 
it's hard to operate the systems correctly. <laughs> Beautiful. And uh, Linux is a penguin. Yes. That's all I have to say. That's so cute. Thanks. All right, we'll see y'all next week for something that's not this. Yeah, yeah bye. Goodbye.